Hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Thank you for joining me on tonight's show. It's an honor to be with you this Monday night. Hope you're having a great start to the week. Hope you're enjoying Monday Night Football. By the way, what an opening scene on Monday Night Football. What an opening scene in Las Vegas. This is the first time that Allegiant Stadium has had fans in it and it was an amazing opening scene. For the Raiders, they had Steve Aoki in the in the music department. They had Bruce Buffer introducing the game, and I'm a huge UFC fan, huge huge UFC fan. So it was electric to actually see Bruce Buffer introduce an NFL Monday Night Football game. So that's been fun. And tonight on the show, we will try to have more fun talking about the Cowboys. Maybe we will not have a lot of fun when we, when we get into the news because Randy Gregory will be placed on the COVID-19 list, was placed on the COVID-19 list. We will talk about that. We will have an early look for the Cowboys versus Chargers game and some opening thoughts, some early thoughts so for you to be ready for the discussion ahead of this week because it's going to be a tough game. Later in the show, we'll talk a little bit about Philly having a little bit of an opportunity to become the number two team in the division. And then let's just overreact together to week one of the NFL 2021 season. Well, before we begin though, let me ask you to like that video. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please like the video and of course, share it with your friends. Let them know that you're watching ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. What's up, Lunatic? What is up, SMU fan videos? Good evening. And of course, Cubole Mauro says Lunatic. Thank you for being here. And now that more of us are here, let's get ready to start the show off officially. Welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez streaming with you live Sunday through Thursday night here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way throughout this 2021 Cowboys season. So we are excited to talk about the Cowboys, even though we need to get into some negative news first for the Cowboys defensive line. Not great news, but on the other hand, Zach Martin is back for Dallas Cowboys. Isaac, also here in the show, thank you for being here. And let's start this off, well, you know, by talking about the Cowboys news. As I was saying, later in the show, we will have an early look for next Sunday's game. And later we'll talk about the division. We'll talk a little bit about the rest of what we have seen so far in the NFL, because it was a wild week one, by the way. And let me give you this piece of info that I found today. In the, in the first 15 games of this week, underdogs went 11-4 and four against the spread. Now, it's not looking like, well, it might be the, the Raiders just scored a touchdown. But if the Raiders end up covering the betting spread, if they do so tonight, it will be the first time since 2003 that 12 underdogs cover in week one of the NFL season. So it's been a crazy wild week one, more, more, even more so when you consider that road teams, road underdogs have been winning as well this week. So it's, it's been crazy. And you know, we talked about the Green Bay Packers losing to the, to the Saints. We will get into all of that on Overreaction Monday later on the show. But first, let's talk a little bit about Cowboys news because Randy Gregory, was placed on reserve slash COVID-19 list this Monday. A tough blow for the Cowboys defensive line. However, he might be ready to come back before the Cowboys play the Chargers next Sunday. He might be back in time. Remember that Zach Martin tested positive on a Saturday and the Cowboys had to play a game on Thursday. Now it's a little bit of a different situation because Gregory was placed on the COVID list today, Monday, and the Cowboys don't have a game until Sunday. Plus, Martin, in his moment, had symptoms, had COVID, uh, flu-like symptoms. That is not the case for Randy Gregory, according to multiple reports. And according, I saw Unetic saying over here in the chat, hopefully it is a close contact only. Reporters were saying that he actually did test positive but that Randy Gregory was a symptomatic. So that is good news for the Cowboys because Gregory has already checked off basically one of the check boxes that he needs to check before being activated. So now it's all about getting those negative test results 24 hours apart from each other. But yet they did report 
that he tested positive. And according to Todd Archer, he is the first to not have uh, symptoms out of the Cowboys, seven players that have tested positive for COVID-19. So those were, I think that was the most important news of the day for the Dallas Cowboys because you, you, can, you can have high hopes, in my opinion, that Randy Gregory will be back before the Cowboys play the Chargers. I mean, of course, nothing is for certain, but the fact that he has shown no symptoms, I think is good news for the Cowboys. And you're going to need him before, before to face that Chargers offensive line. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. Now, in a corresponding move, Brandon Knight and Zach Martin were activated from the COVID-19 list. So that makes it official. Zach Martin will be playing with the Cowboys when they square off against the Chargers. The only question right now is going to be whether or not they will move him to right tackle. And I gave my thoughts on this the other day, uh, yesterday. And I'm not a fan of moving Martin to right tackle. I'm sorry. I know I'm in the minority here. I know that might be an unpopular opinion, but I'm siding with the portion of Cowboys Nation that might be a little bit worried about Zach Martin's health if you switch him from one position to another all of a sudden. I'm not a fan of moving Martin to right tackle. However, I would love to see it at the same time. I don't think it might be, I don't think it will be the smartest of moves. And I don't think that the Cowboys will actually pull the trigger on moving Gregory, uh, sorry, Martin to right tackle. But I would like to see it because I like watching Cowboys players do cool stuff. And playing at right tackle for Zach Martin is just cool stuff. Stevie Mack is here. Uh, thank you for joining us, Stevie Mack. And thank you for reminding those who are watching, to hit that like button and share it. Whether you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, please do so. Let your friends know that you're watching ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Also, Carlos Holloway saying hello over in YouTube. We have people as well on Facebook. Kamar saying he's a beast. And then Hulk Oliver reminding us of some other important news because he said, get the kicker out of here. And the Cowboys might be getting some competition for Greg the leg because the Cowboys are expected to sign Liam Hairulahu to the Cowboys practice squad this week. And that would be a an, an important move, I would say. Hairulahu was set to visit with the New York Giants, actually, but then he decided to re-sign with the Cowboys practice squad. And that has to be competition for Greg the leg because Soraline has done nothing really to guarantee himself a job with the Dallas Cowboys roster. Now, Liam Hairulahu, we talked about him during the preseason, but if you were not with us for that show, let me just give you a reminder. He's not a very young player, but he's a former CFL All-Star player. Now, Liam has a great, great story, uh, a great background story throughout his life, really. He was from Kosabu, and when the war erupted over there, He actually migrated to Canada and he started playing football and playing sports because he was, you know, learning English. And that was his way of actually having interactions with other people when he moved to Canada. So I I know that does not matter a lot on the field, but I think that his backstory, uh, he's a very easy player to root for, in my opinion, Liriam Hairulahu. So he will fight for a cowboy spot. Now, fun fact as well, when Greg Sterling was let go from the Rams not that long ago, when he left the Rams, actually Liriam Hairulahu was one of the kickers to compete for to be his replacement. So there's a little bit of, of a connection between Hairulahu and Greg Sterling throughout his NFL career. So I have found that interesting as well. Now, having set that aside, I think that his long his career long field goal in the CFL was about a 56 or 59-yard field goal. I'm not quite sure. I will confirm that for you. But he actually had some big moments in the spring league as well, which is only a developmental league, of course. But it's still, he's remained active, is what I'm trying to say. And Lirim Hairulahu might just compete for a spot on the Cowboys roster if Greg keeps missing field goals. I don't think this is Lirim's job to earn, though. I think it's Greg's job to lose if that makes any sense. I think that if Lirim goes out there and he starts nailing the field goals, he will also need Greg to keep struggling in order for him to become the Cowboys' number one kicker. Says the Lunatic over here that the Cowboys have depth at right defensive end. 71 is still the bigger loss. 
I agree that the Cowboys' biggest loss yet is Lyle Collins, especially because it's a five-week-long loss. While Randy Gregory, you have even some hopes for him playing on Sunday versus the Chargers. However, I'm not as excited for for, for the Cowboys' depth at defense event as Lunatic is with this comment. I, I will disagree there, especially considering who the Cowboys are going to line up against next weekend. I am a little bit worried about that. I am more worried about Dak's health, if in second or worse, yet still at right tackle over Bosa, says Lunatics. Of course, speaking about the possibility of playing Martin at right tackle. What is up, Chava, who's watching from Guadalajara, Mexico? You know, uh, thank you for being here, of course, as always. Now, Nick Blues is Cowboys Nation. Chris Westry, cornerback, plays for the Ravens. Damn, Anthony Brown still on our team. I'm not a big Chris Westry fan, but yeah, he's playing with the Ravens right now. Tough blow for the Ravens, by the way, to lose Marcus Peters the way they did just before the season started to. That's a tough blow. They're playing well, though, right now versus the, versus the Raiders, and it does not seem to matter that they don't have running backs because, you know, as the analytics community likes to say, running backs don't matter. <laughs> what did Legatron, uh, what is up, Tommy? Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy the show. We are on every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. When the games are on, I try to, you know, find the right spot to go live because I know most of you are watching the games because we are, you know, we are NFL sickos. We want to see every single game. Lunatic says, what did Legatron learn after watching the field that he cost the film that he cost us the game week one? That was a rough game for Greg. And I am, I for one, I'm very surprised. I looked away when he kicked the 48-yard field goal for the lead. I looked away. I could not see it. And then I saw the replay, and I couldn't believe that he actually just nailed it dead center. Coop19 is watching from Germany. So we have Cowboys fans from Germany. Now, Coop, I need to ask, are you, are you from Germany as in are you a German or are you, you know, a Cowboys fan that's from the United States but actually lives in Germany? And I'm, I'm interested Genuinely, because as you all know, I'm from Mexico. So I want to I wanna learn about that. Tell us, please. And, and if you can, of course, also, I'm curious now. Tell us about, you know, how, how the German Cowboys fan base looks like. Is it huge? Is it not huge? Tell us about that. I, now I'm, now I'm genuine, genuinely interested. I'm sorry. William says, do you see Brown getting benched for right? I hope so, says William. I, I really don't. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see it uh, yet. I think that it might happen at some point. But right now, I think that the Cowboys are going to be patient regarding regarding Anthony Brown's playing time. Now, there was a Dan Quinn quote, by the way, today on Anthony Brown, in which he complimented Anthony Brown for his tackling in the game versus the Tampa Bay Bucs. And then he actually was justifying... One big play in which Anthony Brown apparently got burnt, and Dan Quinn was explaining that that was not all his fault, and that it, it actually had more to do uh, also with the safety involved in that play. So I think that the Cowboys might play it a little bit cool with Anthony Brown, and they might keep him as a starter. Maybe we see more of right though. I think that's what we'll see in any given scenario. Now the Cowboys, and I'm I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself here. The Cowboys will want. To, to really think about what they're going to do at cornerback for next week because it's a deep wide receiver unit for the Chargers. You have Mike Williams, who had a strong game versus Washington, and, of course, you have Keenan Allen, who you always have to worry about. It's going to be interesting to see what the Cowboys do at cornerback. I think that Cowboys fans are going to be expecting Anthony Brown to be just – outright benched and I think again seemingly to what I thought before the season started when the boss about Anthony Brown getting cut was at its peak I I said don't get your hopes up and I I think I'm in the same boat now don't get your hopes to see Anthony Brown completely benched versus the Chargers I think that the Cowboys are going to be patient whether that is the right call or not whether we agree with it or not, I think that's what the Cowboys are actually going to do. Coop19 says, uh, I'm American, but there are a lot of German fans here. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, I know there, there was a Twitter account that's called Irish Cowboys, but I've never seen anything from Germany, though. 
Harley Tripp says, Neanderthal football league. No, thank you. America first, NFL can disappear. What? I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit confused with that, uh, with that comment. So, yeah, I'm a little bit confused. I'm not going to lie. All right. Cowboys have a lot of cap space. <laughs> We could sign someone or trade for a cornerback. Yeah, the Cowboys might, the Cowboys might still be interested in, in adding someone from the outside. So that might happen. Let's, let's just think about whether or not it will. We will see if it does. Now, speaking about, you know, Anthony Brown benching him or not, let's talk about the Cowboys' next game. Let's have an early look at the Cowboys versus the Chargers game because it's really going to be a difficult one for the Cowboys. And I didn't expect that to be the case. But on, in week one, I think that the Chargers put on an impressive performance. And if we take a look at the numbers actually right now, the Cowboys are underdogs in the betting market versus the Chargers next week. Now, this might be because they're the road team. And I think that if this game was in Dallas, the Cowboys would be the favorites. But how about that total as well? 55 is the total for over-under for the Dallas Cowboys game versus the Chargers. Now, this is what I'm thinking about. And this is my main concern right now. How will the Cowboys defense look like versus the Chargers offense? Because Justin Herbert looked in control. And my question for me to you guys is, will the Cowboys defense allow over or under 28 and a half points? This is the official number in the betting world. This is the number uh, that is set for the Chargers on Sunday versus the Cowboys defense. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm leaning towards the over. I'm, I'm leaning towards the over, even though it's a little bit high, because the Cowboys did have four turnovers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four takeaways, excuse me. Other than that, they were kind of slow to stop the box the traditional way. And I'm leaning towards the over as well, because I did not see a very efficient pass rush from the Cowboys versus the box Even though the Marcus Lawrence had some big moments, overall, we did not see a lot of pass rush from the Cowboys. Not even in, on the inside. The defensive tackles didn't really have a good game. And let me talk to you about these numbers from the Chargers' offensive line performance. Now, these numbers are actually from, and by the way, shout out to this podcast. We need to give them a shout out because it is a great name for a Chargers podcast. It is called... Guilty as charged podcast. And they offered these numbers on their Twitter account saying that Justin Herbert had 52 dropbacks versus the Washington football team. And here are the pressures that the Chargers offensive line allowed. Rashawn Slater, who you know very well, because a lot of you wanted Rashawn Slater over Michael Parsons in the 2021 NFL draft. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was one of those persons. I wanted Rashawn Slater on the Cowboys. He allowed zero QB pressures versus the Washington football team. Keep in mind, this is one of the best defensive fronts in the entire NFL, Washington's. They had Chase Junk, they had Monte Sweat, and this offensive line held their own versus this unit. Now, Baylor had three pressures which is the, the highest in the Chargers. Linsley, zero. Abushi, zero. Bulaga, one. Only one in 30 reps. And Norton, one in 22 reps. It was a strong game from the Cowboys, from the Chargers' offensive line. And if Randy Gregory is not back yet, it might be a concerning situation for the Dallas Cowboys. It, it, it might be a little bit concerning. You need Randy Gregory for this game, in my opinion. Because I might agree in the fact that the Cowboys have some depth over at defensive end, but I don't, I'm not entirely sold and I'm not very confident on that. Let's see. Let's take a look at some of the answers. The, the Vontae Griffin says under. Now, it is a high number, to be fair. It is a high number, 28 and a half. That, that half is what makes it even more interesting. The, the Buccaneers, of course, scored 31 versus the Cowboys. But again, four takeaways were involved in that scoreboard for the Tom Brady-led offense. William says over, uh, we still have the worst defensive front in football, no improvement in the offseason, says William. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if they are actually the worst, but they might be in that conversation, even more so if we're talking exclusively about the defensive line. Because I do think that a Cowboys linebackers unit will get better and better. Dan Quinn said, 
that they are expecting Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderich to get more involved throughout the season. And I think he might be bluffing a little bit because I think that Keanu Neal and Michael Parsons will remain the Cowboys starters throughout the entire season. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want the Cowboys to rotate linebackers just to give everyone their fair share of playing time. Rotate linebackers if you want them for specific situations. So if so if, if it is second and three, third and three, and you think that the other team is going to run, then get Bandridge and Jalen Smith there if you want to. But then you can also get, just like you can get predictable with your offensive packages, I think that you can also get predictable with your defensive packages and defensive personnel. So I, I really would like it if the Cowboys didn't get into this mood or this rhythm of rotating their set of linebackers throughout the, the length of the game according to the situation that they are watching on the field. I would like to see Michael Parsons and Keanu Neal be solidified as a Cowboys starters. Now, says Chabot over at Facebook that LVE and Jalen Moore involved, I'm scared now. So Dan Queen kind of suggested it, but I think, again, that he might be bluffing. Uh, Coop gave us an update. I'm not entirely sure if I, if I read it when he answered but he says, I'm American, but there are a lot of German fans here. Oh, I think I think I did read it. I'm sorry. Uh, our, Sean from Houston. What is up, Sean? Thank you for joining the show. What will we do take actually get sacks? What will we do to take actually get sacks with the D-line? We need pressure, says Sean. The Cowboys do need pressure, especially from the interior defensive line. And until the Cowboys get Neville Gallimore back, I'm not very optimistic that that will happen. Some people have mentioned Hill also getting back and generating pressure from the inside, and that might happen. But the guy that I'm focused on would be uh, Neville Gallimore, definitely. He's an injured reserve still, so he might be back at some point in the season, but it won't be versus the Chargers, of course. Uh, Coop also said that he had a Facebook group uh, and had quite a few Germans in it, and there is also Dallas Cowboys Deutschland group for fans here. Oh, that is awesome. That is that is awesome to see. And I, I've talked about this. I talked about this with Sky when I, when he joined the show the first time that I was live with the YouTube community. And we talk about about Cowboys fans in Mexico. And I mentioned that this is not America's team. This is really the world's team. And, it, and I think that that is because the Cowboys were very smart a long time ago by being broadcast in a lot of places when a lot of the other NFL teams were not very broadcast. And that might be also because they were the winning te team at that time. The same happened here, at least here in Mexico, for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time. And lately it's been happening with the Patriots as well because they had two decades of, of complete domination in the NFL. Uh, what is up? Thank you, James, for being here in the show. Also, Payo. Steven Max is under. So for those of you who are just joining us now, the question was whether the Cowboys we're going to have over we're going to allow over or under 28 and a half points versus the Chargers. JC now also in the chat, we had a chance to sign such and Vitavea and we didn't do anything. Oh, thank you, Jay. Also, being here since Primero Cowboys. Oh, thank you, Jay. I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you for joining the show. For those of you who don't know, I have a show that is called Primero Cowboys, and it is completely in Spanish actually for, for mainly a Mexican audience. I have some other audience, but, but the main audience is from Mexico, definitely. Blitzmore, says Sean. Really hoping Randy can make it back by Friday, says Dom. Definitely, the Cowboys do need him to be back. And Joseph says, over, the Chargers looked good. And actually, we were talking about the fact that the Chargers looked good on the offensive line, but they also looked good in general. Mike Williams, we're talking about it, that. He had eight receptions for 82 yards. He scored one touchdown, including a 20-yard reception. And this Chargers, team's, this Chargers team looked different for a lot of reasons as well. This was not the, the Los Angeles team that, I, that was struggling at the end of the game to make a comeback or that was making big mistakes in situational football. This was a smart football team versus the Chargers. How about... Justin Herbert going, it, it was a crazy number, 14 for 19 on third down, the Chargers offense. And out of these 14 for 19, Herbert threw for 12 of, of those 14 conversions. So it was 
a, a, an insanely efficient game for the Chargers on third down. Now, that might be sort of good news also for the Cowboys because it means that the Chargers were very dependent on third down success. And if there's one thing we have learned from the whole, you know, analytics trend, if there's one of the many things that we have learned actually is that it is very difficult to be consistent in third down efficiency. So that might be some sort of hidden good news for the Cowboys, but this was a smart team, but the Chargers were. This was a, and, and this was said by their head coach, this was a fourth quarter team, something that the Chargers were not for a long time. So it, it, it is going to be a tough game. Definitely it is going to be. But then again, I think that the Cowboys offense are still an elite unit and they, they will be involved in this game. And they have a legit opportunity to win the football game. I mean, we just saw it versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Plus, they had a long week, so they might be more ready in that situation. Of course, sometimes we can overrate the importance of a long week or a short week. But anyway, Chargers looked okay against the, rest, uh, against the Redskins. Not as tough as people think, says Magic Garden. Now, I'm not sure I agree because I think that the offensive line did look very, very good versus the Washington football team. However, Magic might have a point as we connect that comment with what we just said about third down. The Chargers were very dependent on third down success. So that might play in the Cowboys' favor next week. We're going to be able to run the ball with efficiency this week, says Dom. Another interesting point for next week's game. And of course, one of the major matchups to watch will be whoever lines up at right tackle, whether it is Zach Martin or whether it is Ty Seke or Terrence Steele, whoever that is will face one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL, Joey Bosa. And Joey looked great versus Washington last week. Of course, he was going up against a rookie offensive tackle but it's not like the Cowboys have Lyle Collins. So that will be a concerning situation for Dak. But I mentioned this yesterday. I mentioned this last night, and I will say it again. This, remember, keep in mind that this is not the same situation that the Cowboys faced in 2020. The Cowboys are not having problems at both tackle positions, and they're not missing their starting center. They're not missing Zach Martin because he's back. So they're just going to be missing one starter along their offensive line. I'm not saying that it's nothing. I'm just saying this elite unit should be able to, to really live up, to, to, to really live with that and, and play good football, even without Lyle Collins. Says William Coulter over here, does Randy have COVID or is he just a close contact? Big difference in his ability to return. So according to reports, for those of you who are just joining ADC Sports Dallas Primetime, he did test positive for COVID-19. However, he showed no symptoms, which is uh, very good news for, for Gregory. And of course, he was vaccinated according to reports. So he might be back for the Cowboys. He, he needs the negative tests 24 hours apart from each other. And he should be eligible to play. We will see. It's going to be one of the main storylines to follow for the Dallas Cowboys throughout this week. This defense is junk, says DeMarcus. Thank you for being here. And this is a new scheme. They're learning we will be fine. Definitely. We are a passing team, but we need to involve more sick so we can have more ball possession and help the defense and keep them away from the field, says Chava. So time of possession is always one interesting uh, argument, in my opinion, in the NFL. Because I think that even though it is good to have some sort of balance, not, not the balance that we think of as football fans and as what common sense has taught us, right? Because common sense has taught people, not, not common sense, I, I don't mean common sense. I mean more like, you know, the popular opinion or that your traditional football knowledge tells you that you need to have a balanced offense. And for a lot of people, that means 50% pass and 50% run. Now, Mike Leach once said it best, that is not a balanced offense. That is just 50% stupid, said Mike Leach wants, and I always remember that, and it's very important to keep that in mind. I don't think it's about the time of possession. I think it's about being efficient in your drives and, you know, converting touchdowns when you get into the red zone, which was something that did not happen for the Dallas Cowboys last week. 
Now, Dom says, we won time of possession last week by 12 plus minutes. By 10 plus minutes, throwing 58 times, says Dom. And that is a very valid point as well. You don't need to run to control the clock. And remember, a lot of the time, and I know it was not the case for the Thursday night game, but when they give you stats about, oh, this team wins because when they have when they control the time of possession, they have won eight out of their last 10 times. And arguments like that, they're just, they're not accurate. I mean, the numbers might be accurate, but it, it works the other way around a lot of the times. Again, this was not the case on the NFL kickoff. But a lot of the times, you control the time of possession because you're winning. You're not winning because you control the time of possession. It works the other way around. Since you are winning, since you are hitting the scoreboard, you're handing the ball off to your running back. So I, I agree in the fact that, oh, this was... Thank you, Tommy. Thank you. Because this was... The quote of the day, in my opinion, Kellen Moore said to the media, Kellen Moore said that he called 28 run plays, but the Dak checked out of 12 of them. Now, I don't want to overreact to this quote because it might be, we might be lacking context here. This might have been the plan for the Cowboys since day one. Like, Dak might have been told to, you know, listen, be free, feel free to check out of runs as much as you want to because we are not going to try to force the running game versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. That might be the case. But some people have been reading this quote as to say, like, maybe Kellen Moore was not very pass-happy on, on offense last week, but that maybe it was about Dak Prescott checking out of runs. It was a very interesting quote from Kellen Moore, and I thank Tommy for actually bringing that up because it was a, a big-time comment from Kellen Moore. We will see if we're lacking context and we will see how past happy the Cowboys are moving forward throughout the entire season. They will be more balanced because throwing 58 passes in one football game is, is crazy and not sustainable perhaps. I think special teams, says William, cost us the game. Last week, horrible field position, horrible kickoff coverage, and of course, horrible kicking. Now, I, I pointed out a, a few times that John Fassel improved the Cowboys special teams last year because at, at least according to DVOA the Cowboys were among the last in the NFL in 2019 and then in 2020 when Mike McCarthy and John Fassel joined the Cowboys they made a jump over to number seven in the NFL in terms of efficiency but John Fassel's special teams are not off to a great start this year that was the case I believe at the beginning of, of last season and that changed as the year went on. I think that it, it kept improving. So let's hope that John Fassel's special teams units continue to improve. Dak made all the right checks. He just missed a couple throws, says Dom. Oh, Dak Prescott had a great game versus the Tampa Bay Bucs. No question about that. I agree. So let's move on. And how about we start off maybe with, let's start off with overreaction Monday, but let's do so talking a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles, because the Eagles were maybe not one of the biggest surprises from the week, but they did get a dominant win versus the Falcons. And my question, with Ryan Fitzpatrick out of Washington, my question would be for you, it would be, do you agree or disagree that the Eagles are the new number two team in the NFC East? They are the only NFC East team that ended up winning in week one. And I think that with Ryan Fitzpatrick out for multiple weeks in Washington, you're, I don't trust Taylor Heineke to lead the Washington football team to a few weeks, a few wins during Fitzpatrick's time out. And even when Fitzpatrick returns, it's a hip injury. He's 39 years old. I don't, I'm not high on Washington after Fitzpatrick's injury. Now, the Eagles beat the Falcons, who are really a terrible team. And Dom is actually bringing that up in the chat right now. The Eagles, we should not overreact to their 32-6 win versus Atlanta. This is not what this is about. It is about Ryan Fitzpatrick, more than anything, being out from Washington and the New York Giants being a terrible team in the trenches. Stevie Mack says, I disagree. I still have Washington as second team. So Stevie Mack is high maybe on Tyler Haneke, I think, or maybe he's just very high on, on, on the Washington defense. 
RB Nightmare says, no, they're all tied for number three, says RB Nightmare. I don't think they're all tied for number three. I think that the Giants, even if you want to tie the Eagles and, uh, and Washington at number three, I would put the Giants at number four. I'm very low on, on, on New York. I am very low on them. And one of my most, when, when I put, put together my, my pick-em for, for my NFL show with my brother, I was telling him, this is the pick that I feel best about. The Denver Broncos over the New York Giants because they are terrible in the in the trenches. They have a bad bad offensive line. What kind of accent is is this that you have? Says Tyler. Well, I'm from Mexico. So uh, someone said the other day that I had a Yankee accent, and I was laughing out loud because I've been told that by two or three people now. But it's not. It, it, I'm from Mexico, so that might be the accent. That's definitely the accent you're picking up. Uh, the Giants are definitely the bottom feeders. Says Dom. I agree, says Tommy. Jalen Hurts looked really good yesterday. And that is true. Listen, if there's one takeaway I have from the Falcons game, and again, I don't want to overreact after week one, but if there's one thing that I liked about the Eagles from an objective point of view, is that Jalen, we might be underrating Jalen Hurts. We might be a little bit too low on, on Hurts. We still don't know who he is, and we still won't know even after 2021, we might not have the, the entire picture. But Jalen Hurts did not look bad. Again, he was playing the Falcons, one of the worst defenses in the entire NFL. But we also saw a lot of changes from the Philadelphia Eagles defense. It did not feel like their traditional defense in which they just kept doing the same thing over and over again. They switched things up versus the Falcons, and I like that. We saw a lot of rotation at linebacker for the Eagles. And I think that this looked like a strong team in the trenches, like we were saying. Now, I will add, however, that Devonta Smith looked like a legit threat in the receiving game. And we were not exactly sure what to expect from Devonta Smith because of, because of all the question marks about his health, about his frame in the NFL and how it would hold up. Well, he had a big game versus the Falcons. Uh, over here, we have some other comments. Uh, I don't know, it's magic saying, we're from Mexico. I'm from the northern area in Mexico. I'm from Chihuahua, Chihuahua, which is about a four-hour drive away uh, from El Paso, Texas. So I'm, I'm very close. And actually, you know, I, I miss going to El Paso because right now the borders are closed. You can only go to the United States via uh, flight. I cannot cross the border like a, by car with my visa or anything like that. It is closed because of the pandemic, of course. I miss El Paso. So if you guys are from El Paso, I, I miss uh, any of you is from El Paso. I miss going over there. So yeah, that is where I am from. Uh, moving on, of course, I think that the Eagles are the number two team in the division right now because, again, I don't trust what the Giants are doing over on their offensive line or their defensive line. And I think that the Eagles at least look strong in that aspect. Now, as for the rest of the NFL, and it was a crazy week one, and I said this at the beginning of the show, but I will say it again for those of you who are just joining ADC Sports Primetime. 11-4 and four was the underdog's record last, uh, well, uh, this week so far. It's been 11-4 and four against the vetting spread. So underdogs have been having a very nice week. And if the Raiders cover versus the Ravens, they will end up as it will end up as the best week for underdogs since 2003 in week one of the NFL season. So it's really been a crazy few games. So my question for me to you guys is, which team surprised you the most in week one? Because honestly, I, I think that there were a lot of surprises. Stevie Max says Saints. William says uh, Saints killed Green Bay. They really did. And I had a friend ask me this morning, that, hey, did Aaron Rodgers play bad or was he just the rest of the team playing bad football? So I think that Aaron Rodgers did play bad. And I'm not, I'm not selling all of the stock on the Green Bay Packers, but what was up with them? There was this stat about Aaron Rodgers' passer rating that showed that if Aaron had thrown the ball to the dirt every single time, his passer rating would have been better of than what it actually was, including his two interceptions versus the versus the the Saints. It was a crazy game. I, I, it's really, I don't know what else to say. The Packers did everything wrong, 
versus the New Orleans Saints. How about Jameis Winston numbers? Five touchdowns with under 200 in passing yards? That was just a crazy game. And watch out for the Saints. I don't mean this in the sense of, oh, you know, watch out for the Saints. They might be top contenders in the NFC. I really do not mean that. But a lot of people were writing the Saints off after Drew Brees retired. And keep in mind that Drew Brees did not have a great season in 2020, but still the talent in that roster was enough to get them to the playoffs and be a threat in the playoffs. So let's just keep that in mind. If James Winston keeps taking care of the ball, this might be a very strong team. Now let's also not, not overreact to these five touchdowns, even though it was great to see that. But James had, what, 14 completions? It was just some, some insane numbers at that game. Says Tommy over here, I'm from El Paso, Texas. Juarez is our sister city. Yes, it is. So Chihuahua is a little bit uh, to the south. Of course, Juarez is a city in the state of Chihuahua, and I'm from the capital that is Chihuahua, Chihuahua. Uh, yo, we need to run sick more since he's getting all that money, says Jamal uh, over here, for real. We will see. Like, if you want to run with Sick more, I mean, I, I want this to be a pass-first team. I want this to be a, a pass-happy team, the Dallas Cowboys. But if you want him to run the football a lot, because that is going to be your game plan versus one or two teams, that's okay. But don't run him more because of the money that you're giving him. You already made that mistake, probably, giving him the contract. You, you might have already done that, but don't run him more just because of what you're paying him, even though that might make sense at first, it really might not be the best decision for, for the Cowboys team. This is kind of like the sunk cost fallacy. Like you're, you're already paying him, now run with him. No, do what's best for the team. And I think that for the 2021 Dallas Cowboys, this should be a pass first team. However, I agree with Jamal when saying that maybe it sucks to be paying Ezekiel Elliott that much money if he's not going to run. However, I will say this, and we talked about this on Sunday night. He had a strong game. Ezekiel Elliott had a strong game in the blocking department, and he was picking up blitzes like the best running back in the NFL at it, in my opinion. He might have been just that. So... Other surprises in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans fell to the Arizona Cardinals, and I'm not very surprised about that. However, I am surprised about how dominant was the Cardinals win. Kyler Murray looked very good versus the Titans defense. It was just a poor performance from Ryan Tannehill and his offense. We will see how it goes for the Titans the rest of the year. But other surprises, in my opinion, the Eagles were a surprise versus the Falcons. Maybe not the win in itself, but the fact that they had 32, they ended up winning the game 32 to 6. Other surprises in the NFL, the Houston Texans dominating the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, you never know how a rookie quarterback's de debut in the NFL is going to go. And Trevor Lawrence did not go great. But I was still very surprised about what Houston did. And I think that for a long time, yo, what about the Texans? They surprised the hell out of me, says Jamal. And actually, yes, spot on. Actually, what I was, what I was just beginning to say. And Jamal has a point. They, they surprised the hell out of me as well. Because we spent the entire offseason killing the Houston Texans and killing the Detroit Lions. And we were calling them the worst teams in the NFL. And we thought that they were going to get beat by any other team. But there's one thing you we forget. We often forget this. These are professional football teams, and they are going to walk away with one win or two most of the time. I hope that Rod Marinelli is not listening to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime right now because he will, be, he will feel bad about what I just said. But most of the time, you will have the worst teams in the NFL win a few games. I still think of the Houston Texans as a top-five draft pick kind of team. However... They looked very, they looked good versus the Jaguars. And keep in mind, this was the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. But they might not be the easiest team to beat in the NFL, as many of us thought they might be. I just hope Darwin gets better. He killed sick on that goal line run. He should have had, had it, says William. And yes, that was one of the most frustrating plays from the Cowboys' loss to the, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have a Buccaneers fan here, by the way, I think. Kane over here in the chat saying, go Bucks." So, uh, Sig got beat up and humbled, but that's what happens with the NFL's best team ever, says Kane. Okay, so we have established that Kane is indeed a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. So, 
I don't think he got beat up. I, I mean, in the running game, he did. I don't think that you can look at this game objectively, though, and say that he got beat up in the pass protection side of things, as we were just talking about. In the running game, he did get up. And it was not about only about Sick getting beat up in the running game. It is about the Tampa Bay Bucks having one of the best run defenses in the NFL and dominating in the trenches, in my opinion. That's how I see it. And that's why I like the fact that the Cowboys only let Ezekiel carry the ball 11 times. Now, according to Kellen Moore, it would have been way more times, but Dak checked out of 12 run, run plays. So since he beating the Vikings was big, says William, and I was, when they got the game to overtime, I thought that the Vikings were actually going to walk away with the dub, but it was a, a fun game. That was one of the most fun games from week one, and Joe Borrow had his moments. And, and there was this great play in which Joe Borrow, you know, faked the handoff to Jamar Chase, and then he scored the touchdown, and people were, well, actually, people were making this video edit. I, I'm not saying that this was actually the, the entire play, but it was a great video edit of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase over at LSU and then switching it up to, the, to their Cincinnati uniforms, of course. Man, y'all's defense wasn't that dominant, says Jamal. And I think, oh, he's replying to Kane here. Saints looked very good, says David. They really did. It was a fun game to watch. And I don't think, and remember, this is overreaction Monday. And I think that some of the overreactions that we will see during the next few days are people doubting completely on the Green Bay Packers and people saying that, how about Darren Waller? Darren Waller, excuse me, I just saw the play from the corner of my eye. Darren Waller is a great tight end. Anyways, uh, it might be the, the second best tight end in the NFL. A lot of people still think that George Kittle is, but it might be Darren Waller. I'm still not, I'm still not dethroning Travis Kelce from his number one spot, though, with the Chiefs. And that might have to do a little bit more with what the Chiefs actually do with him than their talents itself. Anyways, back to what we were saying on the overreaction on this side of things. People will start doubting Aaron Rodgers' mindset and where he is at mentally for the Packers and I don't think that will make a lot of sense and I think that we often overthink what they're doing on the sidelines I think that this is still a team that will be a contender in the NFC and one of the favorites more takeaways from week one the Rams look great really the entire NFC West confirmed what we have been saying about them the entire offseason this might be the best division in football right now and they have been proving so, at least they did so in week one. We expected the 49ers to beat the Detroit Lions. We expected the Seahawks to maybe take the win over the Carson Wentz-led Colts. And we expected the Rams to beat Chicago. But Arizona was a surprise, and they ended up uh, 4-0 after week one, the NFC West. So this is going to be the most fun division to watch. Now, Russell Wilson looked great, scored three touchdowns, and the offense looked more like it was looking like at the beginning of the 2020 season. Let's hope they don't, you know, go back to the running game as much as they did in 2020. Let's hope they still let, as the hashtag basically was in 2020, let Russ cook, let him do his thing. After the game began, we lost too high quality in our backfield, says Kane. Gave Dallas every reason to win, but couldn't get it done, says Kane. Now, listen, uh, congrats on the win. Congrats on the win, of course. But, it, but, I mean, they did lose two quality defensive players in their backfield. However, the Cowboys offense was still beating up the, the Bucs defense for a, for a long time as well. Now, they did have some success in the red zone, of course, as we have been talking about on the show. But thank you, Kane. Of course, we appreciate you being, being here and bringing in your perspective from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side of things. So thank you for joining ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. And please make sure to leave a like and share the video. Jamal says, like Aaron said, relax. That bad man going to bounce back. Watch and see, says Jamal. And I agree with that. I agree with, with Aaron Rodgers bouncing back. A lot of the people will overthink his smile on the sidelines, but this is still a great team. Other overreactions from Monday might be taking place with Chicago, and this is not an overreaction in my opinion. This is just the right reaction. Forget about the Andy Dalton project. Forget about it. Did you see? Did you guys see that fourth and 15 play in which Matt Nagy decided to go for it? 
fourth and 15, they were down by 10, and he decided to go for it on fourth and 15. A little bit aggressive, maybe way too aggressive, that's okay, but he decided to go for it. Maybe he thought he had just the right play call to burn the Rams' defense in this scenario. But then <laughs> Andy Dalton threw a pass to a wide receiver 13 yards away from the line of scrimmage. So this was 4th and 15, and the play ended up being a pass 13 yards uh, away from the line of scrimmage. So it did not really make a lot of sense to me what the Bears have been doing throughout the entire offseason. I strongly feel like uh, Justin Fields should be starting. Because, listen, we saw Zach Wilson struggle with the Jets. We saw Trevor Lawrence struggle with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe Mac Jones even had to go through his own mistakes with the Patriots in his first game versus the Miami Dolphins. But but, but these guys are getting their mistakes in. And I, I don't like what the Bears are doing by letting... Justin Fields remained in that bench. And if you, if you saw the game, he was standing there on the silence with his helmet on, dying to get on that field. And plus, Godwin pushed off missed call, bro, says Jamal, uh, regarding the Buccaneers' loss. If Tom, uh, the loss of the Buccaneers, excuse me. If Tom didn't pay off the Rams, we, we would have won, says William. Now, I don't think that Tom, uh, I think that Tom gets a lot of, uh, of criticism because of the refs' calls his way. What is up? Thank you for joining the show. Says, all right, thank you. Thank you for your comment. They need to put fields in their defense, not getting any younger neither. Lol, what pass interference? He was swatting flies, says Kane. So my take, and I, and I have already talked about this, but before we go, I will interfere in that discussion regarding Brady's pass interference. No, sorry, Godwin's pass interference in that final play. It was OPI. I, I do believe that a flag should have been thrown by the refs. However, Tampa did start their offensive grind at the 25-yard line, and they were driving down the field. Plus, I do think that even though it should have been a call, a lot of the time in those back shoulder throws, we don't see the flags. So I, I, I'm, I'm not very angry. I'm not really mad about the no flag on that play, even though I believe it should have been a penalty on Chris Godwin. I do agree with that. But anyways... Guys, thank you for joining ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. We are here every Sunday night through Thursday night. Uh, so I will see you tomorrow night and talk more about the Cowboys versus the Chargers. We'll get into the latest Cowboys news, and we will have a lot of fun throughout the week. For more Cowboys content, as always, make sure you head over to adcsports.com Dallas. You can read a lot of the articles up there. Now, there are more recent articles out there, but I did not update this graphic. So make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas for the latest Dallas Cowboys content over there. And of course, make sure you catch Sky tomorrow morning. And well, as I was saying, every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, you can catch me here on Primetime. Thank you. Make sure you also follow me on Twitter at NowNFL, M-A-U-N-F-L. Thank you for joining the show. Leave a like and please subscribe if you have not done so. And of course, share this with your friends. Thanks to Mac, leaving the link for you guys, adcsports.com slash Dallas. Have a great night. Have a great start to the week. Hope it was a great Monday and hope you have an even better Tuesday. I will see you all at 8 p.m. tomorrow night. Thank you and have a good one.